Good evening, and can I extend my welcome to each and every one of you? Also to those people in Texas, I hope you understand us. If not, we can arrange for subtitles. But you're all very welcome on quite a memorable occasion. This evening, you'll have heard some words which may seem strange to you, you may be confused. Some things have been said this evening which may even be a different language to what you normally speak. You've heard words like a statement of faith, conversion, faith, saved. And you're thinking, that's rather archaic language. I'm not sure what it all means. And what I want to do tonight inside 10 to 15 minutes, no longer, is to very simply talk to you about what it all means. What is a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? If I was to go around outside and ask people, what is a Christian? I'd get all sorts of responses. Some people would say to me, it's somebody who goes to church. Yeah, that would be true. Somebody else might say, it's somebody who reads their Bible. Yeah. Somebody might say, it's a follower of Jesus Christ. Some may even go and say, well, you're either Protestant or Catholic. And it goes on and on and on as people enumerate what they define to be a Christian. And even today, if you tune into the press, or if you were to read, you get a very confused image of what being a Christian really is. Some people think we are dogmatic, caught in a time, a time warp, trusting a book which is 2,000 years old and allowing it to influence our lives. Other people might think we're quite extreme in our thought patterns. Other people might think that we're actually not very sensible because the scientific evidence seems to, and we could go on. But I want to take you back this evening to a passage which is nearly 2,000 years old. It is 2,000 years old. A passage which explains real, really clearly to us what a Christian is. And so, if, uh, Alex, if you don't mind putting the wee verse up, it's a straightforward single verse. It says this, Therefore, since we have just been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I haven't got time this evening to fully unpack that. But to try to make things a little bit easier, let's go to a paraphrased version of that verse, a simpler verse. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Made right in God's sight, peace with God, faith, and what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. These come from the writings of the Apostle Paul. 
The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans from which I have extracted this verse. In many ways, it's the hinge verse in the book of Romans. He leads up to it and he follows on. And in that little hinge verse, he explains to us what it means to be a Christian. So let's look at that. First of all, I want you to notice there's a problem. The problem is this. Since we have been made right in God's sight, implies or states that at some stage we were not right in God's sight. Now that's quite a statement. At some stage, we were not right in God's sight. And Apostle Paul starts this little verse with that little word, therefore. And the word therefore is important because it links us right back to all the previous arguments. I've said before that the word therefore in the book of Romans is like the mortar between the bricks. He's building up an argument, and every time he wants to put in another brick of the argument, he says therefore. So what, what's he saying beforehand? He's saying quite straightforward that we have had a problem, a big problem. He says at the very start of his book that there's a God. That might even seem radical to you. But he says there is a God who has shown himself through creation. We believe in creation. We believe that God created this world. And he also goes on to say that that same God has spoken into us even by our conscience. We know what is right and wrong. And he goes on to say that he goes on to say that that same God has spoken to us by his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say that he has spoken to us through his word, the Bible. Now those four statements pack four sermons. But basically there is a God who's spoken to us and has made himself known to each and every man and woman. God has revealed himself to us. And he then, when he reveals himself to us, in the first chapter of Romans, he outlines all of the problems that exist in this world today. They existed 2,000 years ago. They're not new. They're not radical. They're the same issues. And the Bible, in another place, calls it sin. And so we have this problem that sin separates us from God. You say, how could that be? You see, the God of the Bible is a holy God. He cannot tolerate sin. And you say, well, I'm not really a sinner. I haven't done anything really wrong. I have never been before a court. Well, I did get a parking ticket. Maybe that's your level. But the Bible takes it much more further than that. 
It says by what we do and even what we think, we sin. And because God is holy, sin separates us from that which is pure and holy. And then the apostle says, therefore, O man, you are without excuse. You've got no excuse. God has revealed himself. God has said, here's who I am. God has said, here's who you are. And he goes on to say that whenever you make a judgment and say that somebody has done something wrong, you're actually convicting yourself of a sin. Let me explain. Whenever my children, who are now well up on our grandfather, whenever they were small, we had an old dog. And the old dog used to be tortured by my son, who was only an infant. And one day his sister gave off to him for torturing the poor dog. We thought that was nice. We didn't think she understood. Until one day we caught her torturing the old dog. And what she had actually done by saying to my son, what you did was wrong, by doing it herself, she had convicted herself of that sin. And we've done that all the time. And so the Bible says, we're without excuse. What excuse are you going to give to God? And then he goes on, he says, therefore, that all the wages of sin is death, and that we have come short of the glory of God. We don't reach up to, to God's standard. I've told you this story before, but bear with me. Some of the younger ones won't know what I'm talking about, but it's a history lesson for them. Have you ever heard of the Blackie? Have you ever heard of the Blackie? I don't believe it. Underneath the balls and the falls runs a river called the River Blackwater, which is called the Blackie. You say, what on earth is he talking about? My father lived right beside the Blackie. And the big competition of the day was to see if you could jump the River Blackie when it was in flood. Now, the Blackie stinks, but you had to jump it. And so they all lined up to jump the River Blackie. And they all took off, and the first fellow landed on the launch stone, and he did his best to get across, and he landed in the Blackie. The next fellow came along, and he went across, and he went a little bit further, and he landed in the Blackie. And my dad was standing watching all this, and by the way, I should add, he was in his Sunday best. And then they all pointed the finger, you're last, Alec, you go. And my dad dramatically would tell the story of running towards the blackie, putting his foot onto the lump of grass, clawing through the air and striding, and he fell in the blackie. But he went further than everybody else. But he fell in the blackie. It's the point. All of us come short, come short of the glory of God. No matter how hard we try, 
no matter how much we clamor, no matter how much we do, no matter what we personally try to do, no matter how good we are, we come short. Yes, you are better than everybody else. Yes, you're better than me. Yes, you have never committed a criminal offense, et cetera, et cetera, and I could go on. But whenever you look at what God's standard is, absolute purity, no matter how hard you try, you come short and you fall. So what do we do? God has revealed himself to us. We are without excuse. We have missed the mark. The Apostle Paul says this, we have been made right in God's sight. Hi. Not you have made yourself right. Not that because you've done all this, you're now right. It says quite clearly, we have been made right. The Bible word is justified, just as if I had never sinned. In other words, it is possible for you, despite all that you've been and all that I have been, and the fact that we fall short, despite all of that, it is possible to stand before God right. Why? What do I have to do? What, what can I do? By faith. By faith. What does that mean? You know something? It is possible to read the Bible from cover to cover. It is possible to memorize large chunks of the Bible. It is possible to come along to church on a Sunday as regular as you like. It is possible to do everything that you think is right and not have faith. That's a crunch. Faith. Trusting. Committing yourself. I cannot stand heights. I live in a bungalow, and I went up to fix an aerial, and I had to get the next door neighbor to rescue me. Okay, that's how bad I am. But I love taking friends along to see that infamous bridge up there. You know Carica Reed? I think it's great. It's a torture chamber. By the way, it's nothing like what it used to be, okay? Health and safety's ruined it. But that's beside the point. There's that bridge. And I used to love taking people along and taking them along the path and saying that there's so far, the bridge goes across a span, and if you fall off, you fall so far, etc. And I like winding them up. But I will never, ever, ever go on that bridge. I know all about it. I could give you every fact that you need to know about Carrick Road Bridge, but I will never even go down that flight of steps towards the bridge. I always say to my friends, oh, you don't want me to go down there. I'll go up the hill and take a photograph of you on the bridge. Why? I don't 
trust that bridge. Health and safety improvements and all. I don't trust it. I don't have faith in it. Yet the picture? I could know all I need to know in its entirety about the bridge, but nothing would get me from the mainland to the island unless I actually step onto that bridge and commit myself to that bridge and walk across it. You could know everything there is to know about the Lord Jesus Christ, about heaven, about the Bible, etc. But if you have not come to that point, that personal point in your life of saying, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I place my life into your hands. I commit myself to you. I come in faith. Melissa, tonight, demonstrated that vividly. She said, look, I've set everything back. I've committed everything to you. I'm going to rise into a newness of life, and I'm going to walk in a newness of life in faith. Why? Says there, through because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Done for us. Done for us. Not what we did. Because the problem was our sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And because of our sin, we were separated from God. But the Lord Jesus died on the cross for us. He took the punishment for our sin. It's because what he has done for us. And we come in simple faith. And we step off and we say, I trust you. I did it as a boy of seven. I came in simple faith on the 19th of March, 1962. But I can remember a radical, transforming moment in my life. As at university in Tokyo, Japan, I was the only Christian there. There were over 30,000 students. And I stood and watched while people came from all over the world, all sorts of religions, all sorts of people. They all came looking for something, looking for something like Eastern religion, looking for Buddhism, looking for Shinduism, looking for mysticism. They looked for it all. And I can remember standing in the foyer of that building, talking to a group of American friends and Asian friends and so on, and they were talking about what they were looking for. And there that day I realized that what they were looking for, I had. Peace. Peace. With God. Because our faith, our lack of faith, separates us from God. We have hostility. Paul, if you read the rest of the chapter, calls us 
an enemy of God. You don't get much stronger than that. But by simple faith, coming to him because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, because of that, we have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? What about you tonight? And the last verse, chapter 8, he says, therefore, there is no condemnation, not condemned. Have you ever been condemned? I'm a retired vice principal. And all the boys used to get lined up outside my door before, after lunch. They'd been fighting, they'd been clearing over the wall, they'd been doing everything, and they were lined up there. And I stood there and let them stew. I made sure I got my lunch first. I made sure I took my time. And by the time they came in, they were shivering wrecks. I didn't have to say a thing because they knew they were condemned. And usually I told them, away on and don't do it again. Being condemned is a terrible thing. Being condemned to a hostile God. A God who says, I've provided everything for you. And I've given you a solution. And you have rejected it. Condemned. Condemned to an eternity lost from his presence, condemned to a life without meaning, condemned to so much, and yet we can have peace with God. So what is a Christian? One who has come in faith and is right in God's sight because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And by simple faith coming to him, we have peace and we are not condemned. That's what you saw tonight. That's what Elisa was saying. I have come to that point in my life. I have made that decision. I no longer serve me. I serve him. So are you a Christian? If you use the definition in the secular world, which we talked about at the beginning, you may consider yourself to be. But if you take God's word and apply it directly to your life, are you a Christian? Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Change that verse. And instead of we and us, can you put in I? Since I have been made right in God's sight by faith, I have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Can you say that? 
Because that's what the Bible says as a Christian. Father, we come into your presence and we thank you for the gift of your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you, our Father, through simple faith in him. And through him, we can have eternal life. That we can have peace with God. That we are not condemned. That we are justified, just as if we had never sinned. And so therefore, Father, we can come boldly even now as we pray into your presence, the presence of Almighty Holy God, and declare our relationship with him. We thank you, our Father, for the baptism which we have witnessed tonight. We pray for our listening and we pray for our family and we commit everyone here to you tonight and ask for your blessing upon us that you might speak clearly into each of our lives. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus.